see myself, yeah, that works, that helping others helps me. Welcome to another podcast of Spotlight with Tim Ladd, the Managing Director of Red Umbrella and Care Coins based in Nottingham. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about all things mental health, both uh, personally and within your business space and what you can do to maybe identify someone who is struggling and what options you have uh, in terms of getting them to reach out to you or reach out to somebody else to discuss their issues. Interesting listen. started Red Umbrella in 2014 and that was on the back of my own experiences with mental health. So uh, I had done various various things in my life. I'd spent sort of 20 years in Germany working in the golf business uh, and through that um, and my own mental health problems with panic attacks, anxiety, that kind of a thing, I had started to drink and I was also uh, entertaining a lot. Part of my job was to take golf pros out and make sure that they were happy so down to the pubs and buy them a meal and drinks and that became my coping mechanism um so when i got back to a hotel and i was alone i would start drinking copious amounts of alcohol uh, that would allow me to sleep that would allow me to not have the panic attacks and, and actually just to feel more confident so as that progressed that developed into full-blown alcoholism which took me on a a very different plane uh, and actually led to multiple stints in what's called a rehab, the sort of 28-day program. Uh, and while I was in those 28-day programs, I realized that there's a sort of sinister side to that industry where, whereby there's a lot of agents out there trying to match up people to the right rehab. So for example, if you called me about a family member and I was one of those agents and I put you into that rehab, I get a commission for that. And I was aware that that was sort of going on and I thought we could do this better. I've been now to multiple rehabs. I know what they do there. I've met the therapist. I could even tell you what your room's gonna be like, what the daily routine's gonna be like. So I thought, why don't I set up a company where we have an ethical way of matching people to the right type of rehab? And that's how Red Umbrella started in, in around 2014. I think that that's that's the structure of like the bracelets. I think that's, a, I think from a mental health perspective, I think that's brilliant because I think the number one problem that we have with NHS providers, mental health services, is like, it's what's available in your area for a start And like you said earlier, like six appointments. But I know from doing the therapist trawl, I've tried to find one, it's like kissing a frog. Like, you have to kiss a lot if you're serious about finding someone that's going to be able to help you. With the sort of Gen Zers and the millennial culture, with the guys that work here, they're so lucky that they're like, I shield them from that completely. Like, there's mm. not a boozing culture here at all. Like, we do have a drink from time to time. And it yes. is a from time to time thing. Whereas what we're talking about is a daily pressure in your, in your job. So, yeah. Do you think that that shift, because the Gen Z and the they don't lose quite the same, it's not quite such a thing that you're seeing the masking of mental health problems being stripped back by actually this person has got a problem and they don't drink. So therefore, is that the work that you're doing, or would you see perceive the work you're going to do with corporations moving forward? 
you might get straight to the crux of the problem more quickly because there's not the masquerade of alcohol and drugs. I think there's so many different levels to it. I think it's helpful if somebody isn't drinking or drugging because uh, anything else that's left isn't caused by that or being masked by it. As you, as you just said, that's helpful because if you go to a therapist and you are having problems with alcohol or drugs, the first thing that they really need to do is make sure that you're clean and sober to see what, what they're left with, yeah. you know, what are they dealing with? And if you go to a, to a rehab, the first thing they're going to do is put you through the detox so that you're not physically dependent on those substances anymore. And that could be anything, by the way. I mean, we've met, we're talking about alcohol and drugs, but there's things like gambling mm. and sex addiction mm. and all of these, even shopping addiction, you know, or all of those things. I always feel a bit sorry for the people, you know, that have eating disorders because that's something as a human being you have to do in order to stay alive, right? Whereas you and I could give up alcohol or give up drugs or, or stay away from gambling. You can't stay away from food. But to take those things that we obsess to the point of addiction out of the equation, like you said, if someone's not drinking, that just makes life a bit easier to get to what's really going on. So I, I started up my own business, basically quite simple. I can't work for anyone else. <laughs> so uh, I need to work for myself. That's the foremost. And secondly, it's something we were just talking about earlier is um, for me, it's helpful to help others. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's helpful mm -hmm. to help others. And I, uh, I many, many years was in that golf business. So I was selling golf clubs yeah. right? and I love golf. Yeah. Golf's a passion of mine. Yeah. But I got to a point where I didn't really care who bought golf clubs or who didn't because they weren't very good anyway. You know, playing golf, it wasn't going to help them. And I felt that I was spending a lot of time with individuals, you know, trying to get them to buy a product that doesn't really make that much of a difference yeah. in their life. It makes them happy in that moment. Now we get to work with individuals. We've got a great team of people. It's like a family business. And that's really important. And we get to help individuals on a daily basis where you get to see the transformation in those people. And it's not, we're not doing it for that reason. You know, it's the reason is it's the byproduct of what we do. It's like you shouldn't set up a business to make money. It should be a byproduct of what, of what you do. Um, and the fact that we get to see people actually change their lives, go get on a on a better track for themselves. And then occasionally we get great feedback. Occasionally yeah. somebody will call up one of our members of staff, one of the therapists, they'll pass through the feedback and it's just amazing. And people have literally gone from something we were talking about earlier where, you know, it, you're like a zombie type being to actually having a life, having a purpose in life. And that's, and that's the main reason um, for doing it. I could not envisage being told things like, I've had jobs where I, on a Friday I had to have the pie charts in of like how many golf clubs were sold and to who and at, at what time it had to be in by seven o'clock on a Friday and reporting and all of this. And, and that's just not me, um, not at all. Do you think that from what you said in the previously, we talked about that and about shielding the team here and stuff like that, and there's definitely an element of you shielding yourself, but do you think that you're doing this because it shields you. 
to some extent, yeah. to some extent. So funnily enough, we were talking about all those stints in a rehab. Yeah. I then spent a year working in a rehab. Yeah. And that year put me in such good stead because I was watching people broken, smashed to bits coming through the door every day. And it was a stark reminder of how quickly you'll be back to that position that that person's in. I remember this woman that she was clinging onto my arm at the, at the clinic and she was like, this is my last chance. You've got to make me well. And she, she actually held onto me so hard that I drew blood because her nails were sticking into my arm. Oh. And I remember looking into her eyes at the time and just seeing how desperate she was and how quickly I could be back there. Because it's only one, it's only one drink that's going to lead on a road that goes back to there at some point for me as we discussed it's different for everybody but that's the way it is for me in in, in the last bit that we were talking about about self-esteem and i remember once asking a a therapist who's like almost a world-renowned therapist i thought i'm going to get this information out of them and i said how do you get self-esteem if you haven't got self-esteem how do you get it and he answered me and said you can get self-esteem by doing esteemable things now esteemable is just a posh word for esteemable yeah. i would have said esteemable yeah. but apparently you it's say esteemable right so by by doing esteemable things and what he meant was is that if you serve others if you do things for others you will gradually build your self-esteem and it works it actually works i mean um it's why you know um people that, that are broken in society and maybe end up in for whatever reason in jail you get jobs to do in jail you start to have to serve others to build up your self-esteem again and your confidence and even even sometimes you'll see stars and they've gone off to work in a in a food bank or something now the ones that are obviously taking pictures of it could be for some other marketing yeah. uh, um, sort of thing but um, actually doing stuff like that will start to build your own self confidence and it's funny how that works so when you said that you sort of shield your staff and and protect them a little bit from that side of things um that's important to you and it also gives you that focus and responsibility for others so for me myself yeah that works that helping others helps me you find that um like empathy is a big part of it for the people that are you know the people that you you see in the corporations i would imagine that and a part of it is like trying to get them to be empathetic as well towards like their actions to others. Because I know that, that that was the transition I made. I was like, oh, maybe my actions towards others aren't as good as what I thought. And then you try to put yourself in their shoes. Well, that's all part part of it. And I think there's we have we have a massive lack of empathy these days, don't we? It's sort of busy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's quite obviously talking about social media and things like that earlier and and that's one of these things that this new generation has to put up with i mean everybody at all times has a camera with them yeah there's this pressure all the time someone's filming you someone's putting it on social media someone's you know posting this and uh, like you say we're, we're busy busy people it's hard to have that sort of you know empathetic view um, because again, it's 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 our life. It's fast paced. You've got to be seen to be doing this and seen to be there and everywhere. Um, and for anybody that sort of fades away from that because they're exhausted or tired or depressed or they've got problems with alcohol or whatever, they just seem to be. Well, again, we're going back to that. Why can't you cope with it when I can? You know that sort of that lack of empathy in those moments. And then I suppose it is about like whether that day it is about it is an individual thing. It is your battle. Absolutely. Like it's I always say to people that I talk to them, I say like I can only give you 
examples with which I'm able to empathetically relate to your situation so that I can try and make you feel not alone, but your solution isn't my solution. Like, all I can do is try and help you think that this is why you're feeling that way. I give you some advice or some tips, but you've got to go and do that. We call it the work. Like, you've got to go do the work yourself. That's that it. point you just made about empathy, I mean, if you can't be empathetic, you can be sympathetic. Yeah. And if you can't be empathetic or sympathetic, you can still be kind, because that's a choice. But a lot of rehabs, for example, don't have gyms for that reason, because people just shift. They shift while they're in the rehab to... Now, a lot of people would say, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? That's a great thing to be then focused on your fitness. But what happens if you get injured? You know, what happens if you, what happens if you can't go? What happens if something like a COVID comes along and the gyms are closed? You know, what happens then? What advice... On a really basic level, what advice would you give to somebody struggling with their mental health right now? To reach out, not be frightened to reach out. Um, not be frightened to go and talk to somebody that you trust about it, whatever it is. So don't bear that burden alone. Don't suffer in silence. Uh, if you're in a corporate environment, there'll be avenues there, maybe some you don't know about. They may have one of these things called an EAP. They may well have mental health first aiders. Uh, ask, find out, uh, maybe reach out to somebody in, a, in another company that you know through your, through your friends. But the main thing is start that process of talking to somebody about it. Don't try and deal with this on your own. If you listen to your story, listen to, yeah. your, listen to your story, I'll sit there thinking, wow, like this guy takes on loads of people's problems. Right. How do you cope with that? Well, well, firstly, I mean, we we touched on it. I've got a very good team of people as well around me and very good partners, and they are taking a lot of that load as well. But I suppose, you know, for me to get away from that kind of thing, I still to this day am very passionate and love golf. Um, Not a great time in January in the middle of a pandemic to be talking about the opportunities to be able to play, but in in good times to get out on the golf course, even if it's on my own, don't necessarily have to be with people, you know, nature, fresh air, that kind of thing. During the pandemic, uh, pandemic, I've been playing a lot of chess. So I, I find myself incredibly focused on that. And I was lucky enough to find a chess board ready for this. These exist where you are sitting opposite and the move, the chess pieces move without anyone being there. It works with magnets. So basically you're making a move, the computer makes a move, and on the chessboard it's moving without you having... Oh, so it's um, actually playing the proper pieces. You are actually yeah. playing the proper pieces. So I found one of them, got that last year, because I knew I wouldn't be able to play golf. So you see, it's thinking ahead and yeah. knowing that I need something to occupy my mind. My mind is always worrying. I'm like you, I struggle sleeping. I don't get very much sleep. I've accepted that, you know, four or five hours, that's it, fine. Um, So my mind is always worrying. It's always thinking. And I found as well, I've got two huge boards at home and I write everything down on there now. And a lot of ideas, I try and make them happen. Um, So the business is constantly going. I'm constantly trying to make sure we're going down um, the right paths and staying ahead of the curve. Um, but I think for me, just to be busy is part of my way of coping because I used to 
not be busy. Yeah. Because when we're suffering with full blown things like we were talking earlier, and you spend three weeks not doing anything every day except drinking or whatever, that it's actually you feel the privilege as it grows. The more and more of the workload that there is actually isn't as much as a burden as it is to other people because it's more of a you didn't think you were going to ever be in that position in the in the darkest times yeah what did you change and what advice would you give to somebody that's facing a position where they need to change things right now so what was it that you decided to do and what advice would you pass on to others well first of all we had to make sure we could do everything that we were doing face-to-face online yeah so it's there's a number of things you can do there obviously you've got to make sure you've got the right accounts with zoom or teams or whatever it is that people are using there's some basic equipment you're going to need some sort of lighting you know that kind of thing some microphones so that you can work from home when it comes to sort of like the mental health side of that is that is that when once you've got the setup so you're ready to work from home comfortably is we're always telling people to have some boundaries um, if it's possible, because it's not possible for everybody, is to keep rooms separate. So there's a working room and anything to do with work is done in that room. But when you leave that room, don't talk about work. You know, And if you've got a family room where you're watching films or something at the weekend, then just concentrate on doing that and don't work you know from that room keep those boundaries separate yeah. i mean we've even know some people that through this working from home they literally walk out the door in their business <laughs> sort of gear yeah. go around the block and walk back in again to make that separation in their mind two, yeah. and that and that's really important because things can become blurred yeah i mean weekends what was a weekend now it seems to be the same as every other day isn't it so that everything all those lines are becoming blurred so to try and keep that separation um, I think is really important. There's obviously benefits to working from home, there are. obviously. How have you grown your business? Yeah. COVID-19, how do you manage to do that? I mean, obviously, as we touched on, COVID-19 has brought a lot of, you know, anxieties and, and things like that to the forefront and also made people realise, um, sort of expose things like, you know, habits, drinking, that kind of a thing, mental health issues have come to the forefront um people haven't got their coping mechanisms in place um you know and there's been a lot of people reaching out to us so we, we've been able to do things like check-ins with companies which they is really important so either every two weeks or every month we'll all get on a zoom call we've done some ones with companies where there's been eight people on it and there's even been ones with two thousand people on it um and we've done those types of check-ins so things we wouldn't have expected before. So we've actually grown in this period. So take that mental health first aid training. That used to be face-to-face. But now that we're able to do it online, we're delivering training in India and Canada. And we even did a we even did training for eight people in the Philippines the mm-hmm. other month. Now, if you'd have said that, obviously, pre-COVID, we wouldn't have thought that any of that would yeah. be possible. So also... Uh, the fact that we have the care coins, which is a sort of pay as you need service, and some of the people have started to utilize their EAPs, these employee assistant programs, quite a bit in this period, and they've realized the shortcomings of them, such as only six sessions, or you're not eligible for this, or you're not eligible for that. They've actually gone to this type of a service that we provide. So we, we've actually, I would say the first three months of COVID was really impactful. Everyone canceling the face-to-face 
uh, training and we do a lot of line manager training and things like that. All of that got cancelled. And then once it really, uh, really was able to officially move online uh, and we got all the setup needed to do that, um, actually, we've expanded quite a bit yeah. in, in, on the on the back half of, yeah. of COVID up to now. I think that everything leaves a legacy, and I, I hope that the legacy of COVID nineteen will be that it's so much more acceptable to say that you're mentally ill. I I think that would be uh, one of the few positive things yeah. that can come out of it. Um, since the break of COVID-19, what mental health issues have you seen an increase in? Yeah, I mean, um, depression, anxiety are the two big ones that, that spring to mind and people just having no idea what the future holds, which is exposed depression and anxiety. Also, uh, loneliness. Uh, people have been isolated, obviously. There are, there are a lot of people um, that suffer with things like you know too much time on social media and now that they have more time on their hands they've been actually exacerbating that even more you know social media gaming that kind of thing so certain addictions have definitely come more to the fore um yeah so i i, th I think that even even a person that was sort of like mildly affected by depression has sort of either gone one way or the other during yeah. this COVID-19 for obvious reasons. And what advice would you give to those people or people that can see that around them or within their circle? What advice would you give to those people? Again, reach out, reach out, reach out. Reach out. Yeah. And also, if you want to help other people, check in on them. Check in on them and offer them that lifeline. Or ask them an open-ended question that they have to respond to. Yeah. Ask people, you know, obviously the how they're doing, but give them that lifeline by, you know, maybe say, let's set up a WhatsApp group with five or six people on there, or let's have that weekly Zoom call, which I know a lot of people are doing, and they're doing things like quizzes and stuff like that. But if you do notice something different about someone's demeanor, or they're always on camera now, they're off camera. You know, they're not shaving like when that when yeah. somebody that typically does yeah, shave yeah. every day. You know that kind of a thing, just the way that they're dressed. If you notice those things, then just make a note of that and reach out to those people a little bit more. Offer them that lifeline of being able to talk and being able to vocalize. If you were to sit, if someone said to you, "I'm up a business," what advice would you give them? What's your big tip? Yeah, you don't try and like. It's very easy, I think, at the beginning to go out and think you need money, right? So you go out and try and get all these loans and try and find people that are going to invest and spend time, like looking at venture capital. First thing is is if you've come up with an idea that you believe in and the dest you're destined to make it, you're going to make it one way or another. And you don't need all of that. You know, don't, I, I would say, like, stick with your gut feeling. I mean, think about it. If you wrote a business plan for a business in towards the end of 2019, how would that have worked out? Um, so you just put it in saying, I'm going to open up this cafe in yeah. the middle of Nottingham and it's going to have so and so many seats. And then... What I'm saying is you, you've got to be able to adapt. You've got to be able to um, change when things come along at short notice. But I think when you're just starting out, it's, you've got to have that belief in yourself and not have to reach out to other people for that belief mechanism. Because I think too many people, they get put off by a, a bank or a, or somebody that, that's going to look at their business plan, whatever that means. And they take that personally and they kind of stop that journey 
I think you've just got to continue to believe in yourself. I would, I agree. I think that the number one thing that we need to have when we start a business is belief. Yeah. If you don't believe it, then it ain't going to work because you'll just run out of steam. And, and so many people, they'll come to you and say, well, that won't work. Somebody else is already doing it. Yeah. And if no one's doing it, there's a reason. And they don't quite see um, that niche that you found. And, and no one will ever have the passion that you have for your, for your own idea for a business. No bank, no, no investor, nobody's. I'm a manager and I've got a team of five and one of them is clearly struggling. Um, what is the top tip for me to approach and deal with that person? Create an environment where you can speak to them. You've got to get that person talking. Um, so make it a really good environment. Say, invite them into the office for a chat or something and just say, look, we're going through some really unprecedented times. This is how I feel as well. How are you feeling? Say, you know, I've noticed you're not quite yourself. Um, you know, is there anything that you'd like to, to talk about? Make them feel extremely comfortable. There's going to be no consequences um, to that, that, that they can talk with you about anything, that you're part of a team, a family, and part of the reason why you wanted them to work in your team when you took them on board was because you respected the fact that you can talk openly and honestly, that was a feeling you had with that person. So build that kind of relationship where that person feels comfortable in talking to you. So you would say empathize and relate. Yeah, yeah, perfect. absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Empathize yeah. and relate. Yeah. Yeah. What is next? What's your, what's your we, want to, we want to continue to be disruptors. Yeah. We want to continue to look for the best way and the most effective way of helping people. And we've talked quite a bit about things like rehabs and that is something that's very much on my mind and heart for the future is uh, we want to be disruptors in that area as well. I mean I've seen so many of these 28 day programs that cost an absolute fortune that not many people can afford right and back in the day it was all the sort of stars yeah, that were going to them exactly and I really want to become a disruptor in that space at some point when the timing's right as well. Um, so there's all of those things to look forward to, you know, so watch this space. I mean, we want to be disruptors in that EAP uh, space because people are paying far too much for, for far too little, yeah, sometimes nothing, yeah. literally nothing, nothing yeah. literally nothing, non-usage. Uh, and then also, like I say, when it comes to the residential side, like we've all sat here today, right? And we've had a chat and we've had a, we've, we've all been getting along and, and people have been able to ask a few questions and things like that. And when I was in the rehabs, the people that were in there, they said, if we could all leave here together and all live together, we would be fine because we're all such good mates and we're all, we, we, we care for each other. We're looking after each other. And I'm going to find a way of sort of creating that environment um, in a better way virtually as well. So that completes this episode of Spotlight With. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and we'll see you really soon for some more episodes.